welcome to Watch the Throne. What a lovely day. This is episode 5, Trial and Error from 1997. I'm Joey Lewandowski. And I'm Mike Manzi. And with us today, my other co-host, which by the time you are hearing this, we will have released one episode of each of our three new podcasts. But as we're recording this, we have not recorded any of them. So exciting future to come. Joe too. Hello, Joe. Hi. Hi, everyone. Hi, Mike. Hi, Joey. Hi. So we know that we're going to have Joe on Fate of the Furious. This is a spoiler. But since we're doing a Fast and Furious podcast, we have to have him on Fate of the Furious. That just has to happen. Goes without saying. It's a crossover episode, yeah. But Joe also said to me, when you just have a movie that you think I should be on, tell me and I'll watch the movie. And then Mike found the box art for this movie, and we're like, oh, this is probably a Joe movie. It's absolutely (laughs) a me movie. Yeah, I wanted to have Joe on, and I wanted to have him on early, because Fast and Furious isn't for a while now, so needed my fix. Although we do have another crossover coming up soon-ish. Not really that soon. Let's see. How many weeks off? In about 23 episodes, we have another crossover (laughs) coming up. that's a while. I needed him on sooner than that. (laughs) Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And so what better movie to bring him on for than a Jeff Daniels, Kramer, mashup? (laughs) Michael Richards. He's Kramer, but he's Kramer. Kramer. He's Kramer. It is a movie called Trial and Error. There is a Hulu series right now called Trial and Error. If you look up Trial and Error, there are basically a handful of movies, at least one TV show, if not more, showing just how lazy Hollywood is in naming things. But as Mike found out on the box art, this is the second most infamous trial. What's the actual wording? Biggest trial? (laughs) It's the second most outrageous trial of the century. Which is an OJ joke. I think so, right? I think think Mike's right, yeah. It's on the poster. It's not (laughs) an outrageous trial. It's a really kind of lame, tame, by-the-book thing the only quote-unquote outrageous part is we kind of get in a long came poly situation mike in that philip seymour hoffman filling in for ben stiller at the end kramer fills in for jeff daniels and becomes a lawyer and so that they don't get hit with four felony charges he has to be the lawyer for the entire case and so that's outrageous i guess i think the best way to handle not committing a felony is to just keep committing the same felony you were already committing <laughs> or or yeah just pile them on as long as you're doing one why not do another and another. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Joey, you, you know, the plot of this, if you were, it's like a lazy body swap movie where they never switch bodies, where <laughs> Jeff Daniels is like this high profile lawyer and Kramer is like his actor friend through like the worst thought up set of circumstances like imaginable. Um, Kramer has to fill in as the lawyer. So he's like the actor acting as the lawyer, and then Jeff Daniels gets sidelined pretty much for like most of the movie out of the courthouse interacting with Charlize. How did he get so fucked up on aspirin, by the way? Well, he did an entire bottle of whatever that was. So it's dumb. This is dumb. So first, before we get into that, can we talk about Jeff Daniels? I can't think of another movie where someone is as wildly miscast as I think he is in this movie. He's basically forced to play the straight man to the wacky, wacky Kramer. I mean, this is like a big decade for him because he's in Dumb and Dumber, where he's proven he can do that outrageous slapstick type of stuff. And then he was in Speed, you know, where he was like the uh, straight arrow to Keanu and everything. And he's he was in tons of stuff, you know, prior to that and everything, but I just feel like at this moment this is not the role for him. Not at all. Uh, nope. 
at all, yeah. So you know what's kind of funny is that in Italy, this movie was marketed as Ancora Più Samo, which means even more dumber. So they were like, hey, Ooh, guys, oh. there's a sequel to Dumb and Dumber. Go check this movie out. And <laughs> Shit. Guess Spoiler what? alert, it's not. Nobody saw this movie. That did not work. This movie had like a $30 million budget. I think it made $15 million back, and like 13 of that was domestic. So like nobody in Italy saw this movie, even if they marketed it as a fake Dumb and Dumber sequel. But the Italians have been naming movies weird shit forever. Like That's like a common thing. Oh, yeah. I mean, foreign release titles are always like yeah. much more entertaining than the American ones. You know, the American get the normal. Where I remember like Harold Bad Neighbors. Bad yeah. Neighbors is what is Bad Neighbors overseas. No, no, Neighbors is bad. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Because <laughs> I think too. of, like, <laughs> like Harold and Kumar was retitled, like, American High, something like that. Really? Know. Yeah, they always get the better. That's dumb. Like, I just want to tear into this movie, but I don't know where to start. <laughs> so let's talk about the reason we're here. Let's talk about Charlize. Yeah. Well, actually, so before we get into that, Joe, why don't you tell us, because Charlize has been in a ton of things. Yes. What do you really know Charlize from? Because I feel like this movie, there's not a ton to talk about. So let's just sort of, like, beat around the bush a little bit. What do you know Charlize from other stuff? I mean, obviously the new Fast and Furious movie, but, like, what else? Let me think. I know her from being in um, Monster, although I've never seen it. Okay. Um, let me, can I Can I go to her IMDB real quick and, like, see what I know her from? Absolutely. Definitely Prometheus. I know her from Prometheus. I know her from Mad Max. So, like, current stuff. Pretty yeah, recent. mostly the current stuff. N- n- oh, The Italian Job, obviously. That's a great <laughs> movie. I know her from that. So, like, my viewpoints of her are, like, pretty new. But she's, like, kind of an action heroine. Yeah, she's, like, an action In the girl. stuff you see. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Everything I've seen That's, her like, her movie. modern persona now, I feel. It's like, she's gotten way tougher. Yeah. So what did you think of her in this movie? I mean, I always think she's objectively gorgeous, so... Sure. Uh, her playing, like, a heartthrob in the movie was great. We were, like, mentioning it before, but, like, I don't think her acting was bad. Like, she plays it really good. It was more weird to me how her character became intertwined in the story than it was her, like, than she was playing the character. You know That's what I fair. mean? Yeah. Like, the whole, yeah, like, I've... how this waitress shows up... It's very forced. <laughs> yeah, is like, is, like, all of a sudden, like, one of the main characters is, like, really weird. I, like, when I first saw her in the, like, bar scene, I was like, oh, cool, she's just this waitress. But then I realized she was, like, on the cover from the picture we were talking about. So I'm like, holy mm-hmm. fuck, she must be in this movie. Like, how do they get there? And it's yeah, just, like... she's third build. It's really weird that she's only the waitress and doesn't own the hotel or run it. Yep, like, that's what baffled me. It's like, geez, you're doing way too much work. (laughs) Aside from the bartender who does not know how to make a Manhattan, which I can't imagine what Rachel would think of that, but aside from him, I don't think we meet another hotel employee. No. So, like, why not make her the owner? Yeah, and she's making a terrible sandwich for him later in the movie, you know? She's, like, acting as chef or cook or whatever, room service. See, this doesn't bother me too much because I I kind of feel like it's, like, more of a bed-and-breakfast type of place. So, like, there's not that much staff. Yeah, I wish that was more established, because I wasn't yeah. sure, like, if it was even the same bar they were hanging out with, hanging out in during his bachelor party. Yeah, that <laughs> didn't make any sense to me either. I agree. I was like, why would the fuck did they go to, like, a bed and breakfast for, like, a bed and breakfast's bar for his, like, bachelor party? It's really weird. I agree. It all feels very, very disconnected. But what I realized, the bottom line for her in this movie, I think is that she is essentially a manic pixie dream girl like seven or eight years before that that term was invented. Joe, do you know about manic pixie dream girls? I can take a guess of what it means just based on context. Guess what it means. Yeah, go ahead. Let's see. It's like very beautiful girl that's Uh like 
super uh, wonderlusty, like a big hippie, yep. and she's just like a unicorn. She's like super cool. <laughs> yeah. She's like everything you imagine you'd want a girl to be, and she just exists. And she exists like in a bubble that like doesn't exist in the real world. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's what I would assume it is. There's one more key element to it that you haven't named yet. Do you know what the other key element is? It's, it's Manic, not difficult. Manic, pixie, dream girl. She's yep. kind of ditzy, maybe? Like, it's like... Nope. God, what? It's basically she makes you realize that you haven't been living life and that you should be yep. living life more. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, she I... She opens your third eye. Yep. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm not going to make any butthole jokes, okay? So stop. It, <laughs> it was coined for the movie... I looked this up. It was coined for the movie Elizabeth Town in 2005 by Nathan Rabin, who was a... Uh, AV club writer. It's all the girls in all the movies you have crushes on, but that just don't exist in real life. And like here, it's the same thing. Like she's just this free spirit. You know, she's mm-hmm. living the life. She is able Dude. to sort of, you know, <laughs> work her own hours. If you want to get a little bit more philosophical right now, did you ever notice? Like, okay, maybe, I, maybe I'm different, but like as a guy, I watch a movie like this, right? See, Manic Pixie Dream Girl. I don't ever think that that girl exists in real life. Well, she doesn't, and that's the thing. It's like a, Whereas, a man's... Uh, girls watch romantic comedies and establish interesting, like, standards for the men that they will date. Like, I would never expect a girl, like, to find a girl that, like, lives in a trailer that shoots guns, is gorgeous, <laughs> and limits. just, like, loves me for me no matter what, right? You're saying that girls would, would fall in love with a Zac Efron adjacent type from that awkward moment. Like, that's the guy that I want to spend time with. Yeah, yeah, like that, or like any Matthew McConaughey role that's a romantic comedy, you know what I mean? Like, they're like, why doesn't my boyfriend write me poetry? And it's like, well, no guy does that. Like, he's a manic pixie dream guy, you know? Sorry, it was just like a little side note. I feel like women really attach to the characters in romantic comedies, whereas like if I watch this, I'm I'm like, oh, I'm never going to date this amazing version of Charlize Theron that's even more amazing or as amazing as she is in real life, you know? Yeah, I wasn't even sure if she was even real in this movie at times and not just a figment of Jeff Daniels' imagination because, like, this isn't really, like, a fully-fledged character, you know? Like, I feel like that could be a criteria as well. It's like, what makes her a character? Well, she lives where she got a flat tire. Like, isn't that quirky? Yeah. <laughs> and then she just... Like, yeah. that's all that defines her. She was coming back from Berkeley. She, she like... What dropped out of design school? Oh no, no. astronomy. That astronomy. was the tattoo. Duh. Oh duh. That's how it all. It comes. stars <laughs> and moons. Duh. I get it. Yeah. Uh, gosh, the writing was so tight. How did I miss it? <laughs> um, you know, aside from this being a comedy, and I wasn't aware it was. This was a comedy. Into, well, I wasn't even aware it was going to try and attempt romance <laughs> at any point. And no, we I was get genuinely two. shocked by you saying that. Seriously? It, no, it, it is no, a comedy. It is. This is a courtroom comedy. comedy. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, and we'll get into it, you know, but along the lines of, say, My Cousin Vinny, which we'll huh. talk about. That's all I could think of the whole time I watched this movie. Well, do you know, Joe, that the director of this movie, five years earlier, directed My Cousin Vinny? No way. Are you serious? Dead serious. I did not believe... Are you... Se- That's so funny. I said to Mike, it's like painting the Sistine Chapel and saying, yeah, now I'm going to do some finger paints. Like, just, it's, it's, <laughs> it's basically the same thing. Really? Like, you nailed it, dude. What? Why go and erase all that? I don't know, man. Well, ho- well, thankfully, nobody saw this. Yeah, and he didn't just do My Cousin Vinny. Like, he directed Clue, which I fucking oh, love. Oh, yeah, I love Clue. Yeah, and that is such, like, a tight whodunit, and it's really funny and character-driven, and they're all very distinct. And, I mean, even the whole 
nine yards was that it with Bruce Willis yeah, and yep. yeah he did that I thought you know so this guy's got some ability so what the hell it's baffling the connection that I just made because we were bringing up my cousin Vinny you know what movie this reminded me of uh my cousin Vinny no beyond <laughs> that there's one other movie there's two movies I couldn't stop thinking about the whole time it was my cousin Vinny and liar liar oh yeah that's the other big courtroom comedy right? well, there's also the Jim the Jim Carrey connection there too and the Jim Carrey connection, guess what? They both were released in 1997. So this is like the knockoff version. But that was like the knockoff version of My Cousin Vinny almost. Like it's yeah, almost like right? this guy's doing a knockoff of his own material too. Yep, exactly. Exactly, exactly. I don't understand. And like the people who wrote this movie only wrote, they wrote like one other movie, like there's three writers on this. Two of them seem to be like writing partners. They wrote some other movie that I've never heard of, but like none of these people had written anything else before. So obviously that makes sense. It's just, (laughs) it's, ugh. You want to know what I thought the movie was going to be about? Because this is like the setup. You know, he was going to be out of town for a trial and his best friend was going to try and throw him a bachelor party and that was going to be the whole movie was going to be like... Hangover. That's what I thought. Yeah, or not even that, but like we were going to get the bachelor party and then like that would be most of the movie and then the next day or something we'd get the trial. I just was not expecting that whole thread to vanish that's basically just the setup to get him to miss the trial so that uh, Kramer has to impersonate him. Yes, we have to do body swap. So I was completely thrown off track when the bachelor party ends like 10 minutes into the movie. And like, we never see those guys again. Like, I thought that they would have been like, like hanging Same. around or whatever. Oh, so many things set up and dropped. I guess they're just out there for what seems like it must be weeks, like at least a couple weeks, right? Like, it's not like a court, like, it's not like this case is going to go by quickly. I mean, it's not the biggest case in the world, but I mean... I think he says in the beginning that it's like 10 days till his wedding or something, or like a week before his wedding. Okay, so it's It's a week week before his wedding, yeah. So with that compressed timeline, like, you can can leave guys out there. It ends at three days before his wedding, though. Remember, he's like, I got three days before (laughs) my wedding. So it's like... Really, everything so it's four in this to movie, seven days. Four to seven days, yeah. And in that time, we have Charlize Theron, this manic pixie dream girl, both the Madonna and like the Virgin. Like she's both like this like pure girl and also like this woman that you just want to like ravage. Like it's just she's everything to every man <laughs> in this movie. It's just it's insane. And somehow in four days, she falls in love with Jeff Daniels, who is insufferable. Who. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing he really has going for him is his career, and when he's in this town, he's not even a lawyer. Why is she falling in love with him? It seems like he sort of deserves the shrill fiancé caricature of a character that the girlfriend from Office Space plays as his fiancé. Like, he deserves yes. that kind of woman. You know, that's not that she has anything interesting at all to do in this movie but like I don't know why Charlize is like like she even has a conversation where she's like you know you know sometimes you just like meet somebody you just like know it's like no like this not that's not what happened here (laughs) definitely not Jeff Daniels the way I was looking at it is this town is in the middle of the fucking desert or nowhere and there's no dudes whatsoever or you know this guy comes into town and he might be interesting and you know let's try and get to know him and and then the other thing is he's an actor and she's like aren't actors just the greatest it's like the most amazing job in the world (laughs) like i want to be an actor i want to date an actor i want to marry an actor and have his kids it's like we get it like actors are fucking awesome okay (laughs) (laughs) 
movie. Um, and that's like one of the many stands this movie will take against and for things. Like I have stuff about Big Sugar written down. <laughs> I have stuff about lying to yourself, trying to be weaseled in here as a main theme and all that kind of crap. It is just redonkulous what this what this movie values. It's just crazy. Well, I'm honestly surprised that you were able to extract values from this movie because this movie seems like the broadest of broad comedies. If we hadn't seen what might be the worst movie we've ever done, you know, a week ago in Hollywood uh, Hollywood Confidential, yes. this movie would have been far and away the worst thing we've done nah, I don't of think these five things. I don't think this movie's that horrible. I think, I think well, it's Well, you shitty. also have a real warped perception of movies, and that's why we invited you on this episode. Yeah, th- I, I, don't, I honestly don't think this movie's that bad. You know what this is? To me, it was the Walmart $2 bin version of My Cousin Vinny. And when you said that he made it too... That's exactly what it was, man. I'm sure that this fucking director got paid for this movie, and he never just like make another one. And he's like, "Eh, fuck it." Okay. <laughs> and one other vinnection that we can make is that Austin Pendleton, who is the stammering mm-hmm. lawyer in My Cousin Vinny, is the judge in this movie. So, yes. like, why are you back in this movie? Like, what are you doing? My favorite scene is when uh, Jennifer Coolidge is on the stand, and yep. it's like, here's this witness who looks like she doesn't know what she's talking about, but oh she knows exactly what she's talking about. She's like an expert in the field, and she's going to shut up the defense. It's like the exact same scene done extremely worse than, like, the Marissa Tomei on the stand, yep. you know, where she's talking yeah. about pause attraction. Pause attraction. It's absolutely the same thing. Marissa Tomei is obviously amazing in that movie. She won an Oscar for that movie. Even though this is the Walmart $2 bin, to use Joe's term, of My Cousin Vinny in every way, aside from Charlize, Jennifer Coolidge was my favorite part of this movie, far and away, just because she's wonderful. I like the seemingly disjointed, like, the juxtaposition of, like, what she looks like as opposed to, like, what she actually, you know, knows. And, like, she even she has that, you know, sort of ditzy affectation, but she's ta- she's breaking down sugar and cocaine into, like, their molecular structures, <laughs> and, like, she has this entire, like, presentation, like, gets through it flawlessly. And, like, I loved watching her in this, and then she's just basically gone. And, Joe, did you realize there's a Zeph connection here because she was the mom in If yes. You Lived Here, You'd yes. Be Home Now. Yes. Oh, my God. I know, yes. right? She was the mom, and if you lived here, you'd be home now. I really like her as Stifler's mom. Yes. <laughs> I really don't like her in Legally Blonde because my father is one of the most, like, Pandora's box of a person you could ever meet. He's, like, you know, a old Italian man, but then, like, loves Legally Blonde a lot. And so, like, he'll watch, like, all of these, like, really bizarre movies. That was ruined for me. But she's, like, for me, I know her mostly from those Christopher Guest films. Yeah. And I just feel like she's outclassing everybody here, which is the Absolutely. issue. Like, no one can keep up with her. I mean, when she's telling off, when she's, like, pegging that lawyer with her cholesterol That was the best part. That, I like that part yeah. a lot. Yeah. Everyone is, like kind of drawn the silence and I feel like maybe that's what the set was like where Michael Richards is like well I only trip over stuff and, you know and like <laughs> he's basically Kramer in this, he's playing right? like Kramer he's, he's absolutely playing Kramer man but he's like serious Kramer at times which isn't working for me like it's you know like he's trying to be too genuine at, I don't know I'm losing some of the heart of Kramer it doesn't translate to the big screen you I can't guess. play like half aloof is what it is it also feels like he just learns a lesson halfway through this movie and then is like oh I need to be serious now and yeah. also falls in love with the opposing lawyer and like 
that's weird, develops yeah. kind of a backbone, and is like, oh no, this guy I'm defending, like, he's actually a bad person. Like, I'm not just playing a part. <sighs> like, I need to have him go to jail. Like, it's, it's so weird. Every, every character has, like, a switch built into them in this yes. movie, where at some point, it is just flipped. Jeff Daniels falls in love with Charlize. Charlize falls in love with Jeff Daniels, even, and then goes back to him immediately, even after finding out that he was going to be married and walking in on the fiance and all that stuff, still goes back to him. Immediately, Michael Richards, like, is pursuing this girl at the bar, turns out to be the defense attorney. At the end, he, like forces himself upon her and kisses her and that like flips her switch and now she's in love with him like it is just the worst it's bad and also like there's things peppered throughout where as soon as the it like is quote-unquote revealed you're like well of course like jeff daniels is like looking out into the desert and sees this woman on a motorcycle he's like oh i wish i could be free i wish i could be free of these shackles of my fiance of also, my job obviously the the female lawyer the whole time. exactly <laughs> there's not even like a reveal like, no, it's just like, it but was like just it's, it's treated like a reveal. And like when Kramer sees the motorcycle helmet, he's like, oh, it's you. And it's like, well, of course it's her. Because there's there's like six, six characters people. in this movie. And, and there's, there's two women. The and town. it's not Charlize. <laughs> yeah. It's not Jennifer Coolidge. So of course it's going to be the lady defense lawyer. You're in the middle of the desert. Like how many women are there? Dude, my favorite thing was at the end when Michael Richards is giving his closing arguments. And he's like totally learned his lesson and oh, is yeah. blowing the case. And Jeff Daniels walks in halfway to catch like the sincerity of his speech and everything, and then immediately walks outside and calls off his marriage. (laughs) I was like, like, that's what drove you over the edge to actually do it, was this buffoon uh, like giving this fake closing argument you're gonna go outside and like wipe away your entire future and throw it all down the drain it's like i get it like we all want to be with Charlize theron in, in that little silver trailer like out in the middle of nowhere just making just lying, out all the time yeah lying yeah. in two beds at the same time i mean i get it but like that was just like a riot like to me that was one of the most unintentionally funny parts of the movie <laughs> like okay now i have my conscience too i'm gonna go through with what i want be damned this poor fiance of mine. What's remarkable is that I was messaging you guys and I was like, I can't believe I still have 45 minutes left in this movie. That this yes. movie feels like it's done halfway through and then has another 40 minutes and then is like, oh no, now we have to in a hurry wrap everything up. It's like, well, why is this like so weirdly like, like it feels like nothing happens mm-hmm. and then you're right, Mike, like everybody learns their lesson at Switch. the exact same moment at the exact and same then moment. everybody gets the ending they deserve. Quote unquote deserve. I don't know. And everybody gets the ending that they want, I guess. Well, we get like this terrible trial, which is just used as different prop pieces, set pieces. Like, they're basically, you know, like every one on the witness stand is treated like a joke so that Michael Richards can have a punchline or Jeff Daniels can fall through the ceiling or, you know, they could use freaking baby monitors to communicate between him and outside. We're not really making any headway on this case at all. It's not like my cousin Vinny, you know, that is actually kind of interesting what's going on. Maybe because it's a murder case and there's actually fucking stakes, whereas Rip Torn is on the stand because he's charging people $17 for pennies. He's like, send me $17. I'll give you this Abraham. Abraham Lincoln engraved copper thing and he sends them a penny so he's just like like the case is a bullshit case so I feel like that's a big issue too. No but Mike it's the second most outrageous case of the century. <laughs> I don't want you to downplay it. So the slapstick in this didn't land for me though because like it's like him falling through the roof them using the baby monitors it 
felt like they tried really hard to set shit up. Yeah. And I kind of yeah. don't like when comedies do that. This also reminds me, like, in the same sense that it's a $2 Walmart version of My Cousin Vinny, this is a movie that, like, your old uncle would go to see in theaters and tell you how funny it was. Yep. He's like, oh, man, he fell through the ceiling, and, like, nothing's really happening, and he's just, like, brain dead. Cracking up. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure that there are people who love this movie, not in the way, like, Mike with Two Days in the Valley was like, I saw this movie 20 years ago, and I thought it was really good. Like, I'm sure people genuinely love this movie. We have to letterbox it. Yeah, I can, we can look at that at the end. Okay. When I saw that he was in the ceiling to whisper answers, I was like, oh, he's obviously going to fall, fall through. through. Yep. <laughs> what I did like, though, about that is that it doesn't just resolve itself immediately. Like, they cut back to the court the next day, and they're still cleaning up the mess. I thought that was funny. But that was, there was a commitment to the bit there that I really enjoyed. But it's the fact that, like, he's going to sneak up and try to whisper answers and then get kicked out of court. Like, that's lame. Yeah. But the fact that they just, like, the continuity of it all... They left, like, construction shits. I agree. I like that a lot. Like, when they came <laughs> back and, like, the desk was moved and tilted sideways because, like, the hole was there. Like, that was really funny to me. That works because it's a running gag, and they keep it going. You know, they say set it up and it stays like nothing else stays though and most of the jokes are telegraphed like with the with the honking of the horns thing it's like obviously other horns are going to complicate the matter like other people yeah and if you start honking your horn in anywhere you're going to get honked back at but but stuff that they tried to set up early that i noticed that never picks up any steam is like the defense attorney drinks a lot of coffee and then that's just dropped like coffee is never brought up again or anything and rip torn they try to do this thing with his character about sugar and when you first see him, he's eating a candy bar, like a Kit Kat. Yeah. And throughout the rest of the trial, he's never eating any of it. But then he gets up on the stand and tells some long-winded bullshit freaking monologue about trick-or-treating or some. I don't know. I kind of dozed off during I that whole thing. I dozed off, too. He was saying some shit about candy. And, <laughs> and, and just, that whatever, whatever that story is, like, makes the entire jury cry, right? Yeah, yeah, and it and it feels like this is a thread that's supposed to be running out throughout the whole movie. Like if Rip Torn was always eating candy, you know, he and was like, he was in a couple other scenes, but it was like, but it needed to be as much as the construction point. going yeah. on. You it know what I'm to saying? Be a focal point. I agree. Yep. Yeah, I feel like the only running gag that they're keeping track of is what's happening to the judge for some reason. Like I feel like the does judge his hair get movie. zanier and zanier as it goes? Yeah, he gets okay. more and more disheveled. He basically is having like a nervous breakdown throughout this entire trial which kind of feels like watching the movie. I think that the biggest problem with this movie is that it's a real bait-and-switch. It sets itself up to be this lawyer comedy or lawyer movie or whatever starring Jeff Daniels, and then it becomes a Kramer movie. Like, yeah. yeah. That's yep. what's weird. Because thinking about it, I'm like, why are they spending so much time in the courtroom? It's like, well, oh, because this is a Michael Richards movie. This isn't a Jeff Daniels movie. This is a it's Michael not. Richards yep. movie. It's weird. Like, it's not. It doesn't set itself up like that. It's like, here's this guy. Here's the first guy we see. Yeah. We meet his boss. We meet his fiance. We meet his secretary. Oh, and here's his wacky friend that's going to be his best man. Oh, and by the way, this best man is going to be the star of the movie. And it's like <laughs> yeah. it's like they set things up like that, like the candy bar, whatever, and then like just as soon as you like kind of feel comfortable about something, they're like, no, just kidding, we're not doing it this way. Yeah, Michael Richards, I'm sorry, but he's just not a leading man. No. Jeff Daniels can be. You know, like he has the strength to, to carry a movie, and I just fear, feel like Michael Richards is better off when he's in Airheads, you know, as one of the secondary cast. Like, it's great to see him, sure. Like, 
Alright, but a little goes a long way. And I don't know if I want him, you know, getting romantically serious with anybody either. Like, it's no, just kind of hard I don't, to watch. I don't want to see him making out with Charlize Theron anymore. Never So again. I just looked up this movie on Letterboxd. It's an average rating of 2.5. Only 557 people have seen it. So it's not incredibly popular. The guy who directed this, who directed My Cousin Vinny and Clue and The Whole Nine Yards did I think like 14 movies or something and this is his next to last in terms of popularity so like just people haven't seen this movie most people gave it two two and a half or three the most popular review on Letterboxd has four likes and it's some guy who loves Kramer from Seinfeld and like didn't watch <laughs> this movie for 20 years and finally watched it and thought it was okay it's not a big movie it's Land a movie that I around. never would have watched if we weren't doing the Charlize podcast I probably would have watched it well that's why I knew we should have given it to you <laughs> it felt like a joe movie this movie is like a movie that i would have like turned on fucking abc in the middle of the day on a sunday it's raining this movie's but on like, and i'm like eh, why would you fuck why would you turn this on if you could watch my cousin Vinny? like that's yep. what's so strange to me like that's what i understand I'm saying. it has to be on tv you're changing the channel you get there the remote's <laughs> just like a little bit too far away to reach and you're like mm, i'll deal with it and yeah. you're like this... i thought austin pendleton was a lawyer i didn't think he's a judge <laughs> yeah exactly and Vinny? yeah and it takes takes you like an hour and a half to figure out that like you're not watching my cousin Vinny you know you're like what the fuck is going on here yeah <laughs> luckily this movie never airs on television so I don't think we're ever <laughs> running into have to that worry issue. about that problem yeah I agree <laughs> I want to point out that at the beginning of the movie when the title card comes in this is how you for sure know that it's <laughs> trying to be a comedy <laughs> there's trial in basically the law and order font and then it's dot 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 I had Flashbacks. I had horrifying PTSD flashbacks, Mike, the generation. Generation um, um. It was trial dot dot dot. And then like in like basically what's comic sans sort of and error. And it's like, oh God. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, dude okay, so I knew we were in trouble from the opening shot. I don't expect you to remember, but it's basically the camera pointed up at a giant building and then it swirls around in a circle as it goes down to street level and then immediately cuts to Jeff Daniels in a boardroom. <laughs> it is one of the most jarring fucking openings of a movie in history that isn't supposed to be surreal or avant-garde or anything. I don't remember that. What I do remember is the wacky, whimsical music that plays over the first, like, ten minutes of this movie. Like, we're in New York City, and things are going <laughs> great, and here's the yep. characters, and it's a whirlwind of love. Like, it feels like it's a Zoe Deschanel movie, and it's like, oh no, but it's not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. it even feels like the other, when um, Charlize plays Manic Pixie Dream Girl in the Keanu movie that we're going to have to rewatch soon, right? Like, that opens with, like, hustle and bustle, and yep. Keanu's, like, watching four TVs, and he woke up, just had sex, and, like, yeah, he's cool, and, like... But, Mike, the weirdest thing about Keanu is that the next movie we're doing is The Devil's Advocate. Like, why are we doing back-to-back movies? This is insane. It blows my mind. I thought of that watching this, and I was like, all the other lawyer movies out there, like, it's insane how many movies about the justice system (laughs) exist. Like... Some of the best and some of the worst. We have a scene where Charlize is driving her hoopty little pickup truck and her radio is a Walkman, chicken wire, chicken fence wired. Like, Just ghetto rigged, yep. <laughs> yeah, that that's her radio. Like, that's this is the kind of woman that she is. Like, you know, life's not going to get her down that her she radio might money. be busted. She doesn't she need a man got with money. a flat tire pulled off on the side of the road and was like, I'm living here. And it's been like six years. Like, that's yeah. all I need to know. I don't know if you want to get involved with Charlize Theron as she's written in this movie. 
Her beauty trumps, like, everything else going on with this character. But that does not stop them from doing the dirty corn in her trailer oh, two-thirds of the way through God. this movie. Doing the dirty corn? Where did this That's having from? sex. That's quadruple spacing. That's this podcast quadruple spacing. Where does it come from? Can you just <laughs> so tell me? Children of the Corn 3, there is a nightmare, basically, that the little creepy kid puts in his stepmom's or his foster mom's brain. Okay. We see her having sex with her husband, and then they just start spitting up corn that's all like dirt caked in mud and then like he goes it's just it's it's real awkward and weird so we're gonna we're we're eventually gonna change it i think but you know for now i like doing doing the dirty dirty corn corn. i like doing the dirty corn it works at least we're spared watching the actual act i don't need jeff daniels grinding on oh can you imagine being shirtless and like sweaty on top of shirtless theron it would have been so weird (laughs) <laughs> Especially if they had just thrown like a like a real like raunchy passionate sex scene into the center of this movie. <laughs> oh, I know. You know what's really weird, Mike, is that Charlize and Jeff Daniels and Austin Pendleton were all in Two Days in the Valley, and here they are back three Holy movies shit. later. Right? Like it's crazy. I couldn't. I didn't even recognize Jeff Daniels because he was behind the whole beard in Two Days in the Valley, and he was playing like a mental case cop that's right holy shit that's what i'm talking about about him i feel like he can act i don't feel like kramer can really act he just kind of does kramer and if it gets into the story or not like it's a roll of the dice basically what are we gonna call it? Are we gonna call it Sharnections? Hmm. I don't know. I don't know that I love I that. I guess. I guess for now. Should you have any ideas? Cage connections, key connections. I had an idea. I it, I lost it. Never mind. I mean, at this point, it's almost just like club connections, where we're just like connecting club everything nections, a- yeah. across like every single podcast because uh, matrices, you know, <laughs> matrices. Huh? Huh? No. Okay. Never mind. Didn't land. <laughs> <laughs> the plural of matrixes, large. Number things? Okay, never mind. <laughs> I'll just leave it there. I did not like this movie, but both Roger Ebert and Leonard Malton gave this movie three out of four stars, which seems crazy Whoa. to me. It's a little high. I always wonder what else they had to review that week, you know? It definitely skews whatever else they've seen. And it's like, I saw this really... I saw a movie twice as bad as this, so, you know, in retrospect, <laughs> thumbs up. <laughs> the only other note that I have about this movie is that the Charlize role, the Billy role, the waitress role, was originally cast as Jennifer Tilly from oh. Bound and from Who's other that? things. Let what would Joe it. know Jennifer Tilly from? Mm, maybe more recently from, like, Bride of Chucky, maybe? No. Stuff like that, the new Chucky movies? No? No. Okay. <laughs> you don't watch horror stuff, really? I do, I just, like... Not Hold good. On, let ones. me see what. What would you know Jennifer Tilly from? She's in Liar Liar. There you go. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> maybe she got cast in this. Was like, no, no, no. I have another. I already did my one. Unlike Pendleton, who's like, yeah, like as many courtroom movies as I can get on my IMDb. I feel like we sort of rushed through this, but I just have nothing else to say. Joe, do you have any other notes about, I don't even remember the name, Trial and Error? (laughs) Anything else that you want to talk about? You're going to be back shortly. We saw the recast game, so we're not ending the episode. But anything else to talk about this movie that we haven't haven't covered yet? Anything you wrote down? I didn't take too many notes on it. I had some thoughts. I wrote down something shit, and I forget what it was. I know you like the shooting toilets part. (laughs) Yes, this is what I want to talk about. Shooting. Guns. (laughs) <laughs> Big current event issue here on Cage Club. <laughs> We're not going to get... Po- I like this group a lot better before it became political. Can we keep it lighthearted? <laughs> of course. <laughs> um, t- it's not that kind of club. I'm glad you guys laughed, and if any of my friends ever listen to this, I think that they would get that joke, but maybe not. When she goes and she just, like... He's, like, anti-gun, afraid of guns, right? And she just, like, shotgunning. 
Have you guys? Well, he's like a big pussy. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's a big vagina. Kicked. He's a big yeah. vagina. But have you guys ever gone shooting? No. I haven't either. I came so close one year in Vegas. It was all booked, but we just got too trashed and stayed by the pool and decided not to go. Did we That's talk about this idea. on an episode recently? I feel like we talked about guns, like shooting guns on something recently. Maybe that was just in real life. My podcast life is bleeding over into my real life, and I can't distinguish the two. I only have one life and one shot. One life to live. <laughs> the one quarter mile at a time. Oh, yeah. God, you guys, you both owe me a 10-second car. <laughs> Get okay. on that. <laughs> okay. Shoot, shooting is a blast. I highly recommend it. I think you guys should go. No pun intended. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Bang, bang. Pew, 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 pew. I'm doing finger guns if you didn't hear that. Cool. I heard it. Finger banging? Yeah, it was finger blessing. Going shooting is a lot of fun. I've done it a bunch of times. And um, go skeet shooting. I recommend Oh, I've done do- skeet shooting, actually. I I didn't realize what a dirty liar I've been this whole time. I didn't know that qualified. What a reveal. Because uh, <laughs> it wasn't like a machine gun or like a hand pistol She's or She's shooting a shotgun. You probably had a shotgun. You just were shooting birdshot, you know? Okay. Yeah, yeah. So it's fun, right? Have you? So you've done that. That's yeah, fun. Yeah, yeah. That, that's difficult, though, because you got to, like, trace the clay pigeon and you know that was kind of t- I'd rather shoot at like a target with an Uzi what? but I get what you're saying <laughs> no man okay so I think skeet shooting is the most fun because like you have to have some sort of skill to do it right <laughs> but like but when you catch one and you just fucking blast it it's awesome and it's like yeah it feels good th- they're they're ceramic clays right so it's very similar mm-hmm. to porcelain I was watching it and Jeff Daniels goes from like never touching a gun ever to like one arm shotgunning, which yep. like I like like you would fuck yourself up so good <laughs> trying to shotgun with like one arm with like like he has no kickback. Like back. Terminator. Yeah, he's he like, like the Terminator. Or like um, what's his name in Training Day? Like with the gun sideways, you know, and like his hand, like oh, like Denzel. Like Denzel, training? yeah. Denzel's wrist doesn't even like flinch in Training Day, and he's like holding the gun sideways. He's like, no, that's not how this works. <laughs> so I was very, I was very confused by his shooting abilities. Well, Charlize looks pretty confident holding a gun there, which is good. I mean, we know that she will, you know, down oh, the yeah. line, as we we're talking about earlier, yes. become this action star and look comfortable yep. in that. But like even here, what I also like, and this is, it's, it's not really related, but it made me think of it is that I like that she isn't pigeonholed into like a high school role. I mean, we talked about this, I think, on mm-hmm. the Children of the Corn episode, but like she's basically just like a woman. She's not given an age. Like, nobody in this movie really has an yeah. age. She's just like a character, which is cool because like, you know, Keanu almost killed me because he was a high schooler for like into well into his 20s. Here, she's just a character. She looks like she belongs like with the gun or wherever. Like, she's like she's just part of the world, and I like that, you know. Yeah, she, she does a, have a confidence, like an understated. Yeah, mm-hmm. a few movies in like we're already at that point which is cool yeah i feel like she started later so that might have helped too she didn't really get a chance to get cast like younger as much i also have trouble pegging her age while watching her movies i feel like she can work like such a range like even in this movie you know she's between like 25 and 35 like that's what i thought you know like she could play that that far it's the baby face combo with like a really trim body like, she could easily be 22 to 35 in this movie. Well, if you think about it, more. so she went to college, and then she was going to grad school, right? And then In real out. life, or when she... No, 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 in, the, in the character. When she got and then she got the flat tire. She flunked out, got the flat tire, and then was there for six years. So she's probably 27, 28. Okay. Feels, fits in that range. Feels right. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah. 
I didn't even actually make the connection. Did, Dude, were, you weren't telling the real story of her life, though, right? No, no, no. Her real story, way more grim. She had <laughs> jaundice as a child. All of her teeth fell out. Her really? Mother, her mother killed her father because her father was abusive. They moved wow. around the world. Yeah, it was... Uh, it's, a, it's a dark childhood, yeah. I didn't know any of this. That's interesting. Listen to their... Watch the throne. You're not going to listen to their episodes. Well, no, but, listen but her to the Wikipedia other, watch the throne episodes. Yeah. <laughs> Mike, do you have anything else to say about... Uh, Trial and error. Forgot the name again. Oh, Trial and error. One more. I want to talk about. Oh well, go ahead. How does her just putting the sandwich in his mouth instantly make him like a sandwich that he didn't order? Oh, because man, oh, one. that's a sex thing, dude. That's the power of cheese. <laughs> mm, I thought like feeding. That's like nine and a half weeks where it's just like food fucking kind of stuff. Where it's like no, you know, but this is like play. you know if you didn't like a type of sandwich and you were like oh yeah like I hate mayonnaise like can you put mustard wait, on but it? Wait, 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 wait. To to go back to your point from earlier, if Charlize Theron gave you food you didn't like, you wouldn't be like oh my god, I, I might actually might like I might like this. I mean. I would tell her I didn't want to eat that. But like, she's she did, flirting. And she shoved it in his mouth anyway. Yeah, and then I'd have been like, I didn't want that. Can you make me a real sandwich <laughs> like I ordered? And then you wouldn't be getting laid, probably, by, no, by I'm, that character. No, she would just like the strong, independent man that I am. No, she wants to change him. She does. <laughs> she, she does. She does. She's going to make him like what he doesn't normally like. She's going to broaden his horizons and change his palate, and you're going to eat what I make you, and that's the end of it. Yeah, I guess that's <laughs> true. It's the power of the pixie dream girl. Yeah, that's that's literally her definition, right? Yep. The other thing you wanted to talk about? Yeah, shit. What was the other one? The weird sandwiches. Oh, the booze, maybe? Was it the drink they make? The... Doc, was it Dr. Pepper and bourbon? Oh no, no! I, oh, okay. I just want—I didn't want to bring that up, but as you guys know, I drink a lot of Tennessee whiskey and Dr. Pepper, which is just bourbon. If you want proof, uh, just go listen to the Zeffies. Yeah, you'll—you'll you'll <laughs> literally hear me chug them and get blackout drunk during. Thank it. you, Rachel. Thank you, Rachel. <laughs> there was the weird sandwich thing, and fuck, what was the last thing I was thinking about? Mike, while he jogs his brain, you have anything else to say about <laughs> Trial and Error before we move on to the recast? It's basically just a big farce to call out Big Sugar and get yes. more people to eat healthier. Flat Earth. <laughs> but I did think of Kingsman 2 during that sequence um, with Poppy and her whole plan and everything about that, about sugar. And she mentioned the whole thing about sugar and cocaine also, so that was funny. My two main notes is, first, I'm just glad she did, Charlize Theron didn't get her ass kicked in this movie. Fair, um, yes. She's kind of been averaging and ass kicking every other film. Really? <laughs> yeah. Are you guys going to play How Does She Get Her Ass Kicked? You should. We could. <laughs> we might have to add that, but... Well, I also don't want to. I don't want to see it happen. So, like, I don't want to play that game because I don't want to think right. about how she's going to get her ass beat. But like, okay. also in this movie, I don't know that anybody could actually hurt her. Like, I think she's probably stronger. I think the only one who might have a formidable, be a formidable opponent, is the other lawyer. But like, they're Female never going to cross yep. paths. Like, everybody yeah. else is just Maybe weaker. His fiance can probably she Hulk out and go after her. I thought for sure, like, that scene was going to go way different. Same. But that's the that other might. scene I want to talk about. In that scene where she, like, brings in the champagne and the fruits and everything, yep. and then turns around and his fiance is standing there in her underwear. Her fiance wants to know what the fresh fruit is of today. And Charlize Theron whispers, Peaches. Oh, so, boy. there's a Cajun action. That made me think of Cage and Peaches and everything, and I don't think Keanu ever said the word, but... No, Keanu's too busy yelling about hot dogs. <laughs> yeah, but it made me think of, you know, what is her 
food of the podcast going to be? I mean, it won't be peaches, but right now we're kind of stuck with corn because it's like the most uh, <laughs> predominant like and sugar, food. sugar. So like high fructose corn syrup in this one. Oh, another yeah, corn like it's everywhere. A corn so connection. Like, yeah, <laughs> so that's kind of it. <laughs> Joe, do you think of the other thing you want to say, or are we going to move on to the recast nah, game? Maybe I that'll jog your brain. It. Yeah, go ahead. All right, so the recast game each week. We pretend we play. This is uh, Hollywood Tycoon, to, to, to use Nico's name for it. Each yes. week, we go back, and if we, we pretend that we're remaking this movie today and recast... That would be awesome. I want to see this movie. All of the main roles. We, so in this movie, we're doing six roles. We're doing... Oh, Jack you Daniels had a list? Role. Shit. I just did the ones that I wanted to do. Okay. Oh, yeah. Somebody no, have the list, list again? Yeah, I know he did, but I forgot. <laughs> Here's a list. I'm going to say it out loud. You can just think about it. Check it off mentally in your brain. We're going to do the Jeff Daniels role. We are going to do the Kramer role. We're going to do the Charlize role. We're going to do Rip Torn, who is the guy who's on trial. Criminal. Criminal. We're going to do him. the judge. Yeah. And we're going to do the lady lawyer, the opposition, the prosecuting lawyer. And then we also oh. do the director. Okay. The only rules of this are that we cannot turn a woman's role into a man's role. We cannot whitewash a movie. And Mike and I have one added challenge. We cannot use someone we used last week. So they are off shooting the last movie. They are unavailable for this shoot. (laughs) It's just another way to make this more difficult for us. As though this wasn't the most difficult, stressful game. Like, all the games on Zack Attack, it's just like we make up on the spot here. I'm just like, oh, God. Like, I, now I feel like... Put way like, too much thought. What, are, what are the character traits of this opposition lawyer? Like, who am I going to cast? Like, why am I Why am I so stressed out about this? Yeah, so let, let's just make it harder for ourselves. No recasting of the people we used last week. Cool. Good idea, guys. Great. Glad we could do it. <laughs> Yeah. All right, Joe. So we're going to start with you. The guest goes first. We're going to oh, work I go first? our way. Yeah, we're going to work our way up. Do you want to start? Let's start with the judge. No, 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 no. Let's not start with the judge because that's sort of a my cousin Vinny action. Let's start with the opposition lawyer. Opposition lawyer. I had two choices for. Okay. I was going to go either Nicole Kidman. Okay. Or Miss Veronica Vaughn from Billy Madison. There you go. Oh, oh. Uh, that's a Pete Sampras's wife, right? What's her I name? I haven't seen her for a while. Exactly. What's her name? What's the actress? I don't know, name? but she was great in Mortal Kombat One. Also, who was she? Yeah. Oh, was, no, who was she in Mortal Kombat One? She was Sonya, wasn't she? Oh, uh, I, I think Bridget Wilson. Bridget Wilson. Yes, Bridget Wilson. So I imagine, nice. I imagine those two women playing it, like the Nicole Kidman for like the like the power role, you know, like the star. I sure. think she could have she could have made it happen, but Veronica Vaughn for just like you know this kind of like soft but dominant woman. So if we're gonna put one on the site, and all of these recasts are available, if you missed one, you can go to cageclub.me for the episode page, and you can see all of our recasts. You can also email us watch at cageclub.me. Let us know what you think of these recasts, who you would recast in these parts, which of our three you would like the best. So Joe, if you had to pick one of the two, Miss Veronica Vaughn. Miss Veronica Vaughn. Wonderful. All right, Mike, your pick for the opposition lawyer. The toughest pick for me, because I tried, you know, way too hard (laughs) to get, like, a cast going here. But I think this kind of fits into having uh, Joe on the show, because she was in one of the movies you guys covered. I'm going with Rose Byrne. Oh, a Zeki winner. Yes, Rose Byrne. For both my pick and the fans' pick for best non-Zac Efron role female. 
Yeah, I love her. I love her as an actress. She could do anything from like X Men to Neighbors to you know real serious stuff. So get her in there. I like it. That's a good pick. You're well played, sir. I went with someone I think closer to Joe's backup choice. Essentially, I went with uh, Laura Dern, who I think could play oh. that commanding role. Tobin would watch this movie because she's in it. So that's <laughs> Jurassic Park, Joe too. She's the oh yeah 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 okay okay yeah. got it yeah the blonde one from <laughs> oh yeah that. okay I Mike, that's that's gonna be the game. You need to <laughs> put in Joe terms who each of these people are. That's gonna be perfect. okay. Yeah 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 that that works. Thank you. That would be very helpful. I will like then not be so surprised when I like Google them. I will do my best. Okay, thank you. All right. Yeah. No. What what game? What who were we? It was on the Zephys. There was someone you were struggling to know, and I named, like, four or five things. Oh, Sam Rockwell. <laughs> I named, like, five oh. Sam Rockwell movies. And then Jess was like, he's from Choke. You're like, oh! So I just Choke? I gotta get better Would you go to? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love that movie. That's a that's great that's movie. It's a good book, too. It's, yeah, I, well, I can't I like read Chuck more, Wallonic. But, oh. I, I know, not in a bad way. I know. I, do, I just have too many Survivor women in my life crazy. tell me that I should read these books, and I can't do it. I've had way too many girls that I've dated <laughs> tell me that I should read Chuck Palahniuk, and I, I just can't, man. It's all right. Fair it's enough. Okay. All right, Joe, who would you cast as the rip-torn part? Which, uh, by the way, how is he not a rock star? Like, how is he not, like, that's not his real name, is it? The criminal? I, yeah, I'm pretty sure. He was yeah. born rip-torn? I mean... Elmore uh, Rual Torn Jr. Okay, so no, he wasn't gotta rip-torn. Be a nickname. Yeah. Dude has been around forever too. Like was in Francis Ford Coppola's first movie. Like wow. before before like Godfathers and all that. Yeah, I'm he sure is right now. I think he's eighty six. I think it says. Yeah, he's 80, born in nineteen thirty one. So he's yeah he's sixty six in the movie. He looks pretty good in this movie for sixty six. Yeah, I mean yeah. this is around Men in Black. So yeah. You know. All right, Joe. Rip Torn. Who did you cast? Ah, uh, the the man on trial or woman well, on trial if you went that way. I had one that was like kind of kind of obvious in my head and uh it had to be george bluth man oh okay that's exactly i mean like irregardless of his recent discoveries allegations allegations (laughs) i imagined it being george bluth and i thought it would make the movie a lot funnier if he would have been like the the chocolate addict and he just had like chocolate all over his face like i can imagine like him like going balls deep in the like i eat too much candy thing be constantly like covered in chocolate and stuff so that's what made chocolate it. covered frozen bananas. Exactly, so. exactly. There's always money in the penny stand. Seventeen ninety nine penny stand. <laughs> it also seemed like a like an like a criminal act that he would have done anyways, right? So like yeah, yeah, that was it. Okay, Mike, who'd you cast as Rip Torn? All right, well, I had a long list of distinguished elder statesman actors who I'd like to see yuck it up, but ultimately I went with Kathy Bates. Oh, yeah! I want to see her sit down there and yeah, throw around her, uh, throw her weight around. That yeah, Rachel loves Kathy Bates, and that's a good one too because you know you have all the American Horror Story kind of like edginess. So yeah, I like yeah. Yeah, I was thinking like misery meets fried green tomatoes, kind of like that attitude in there. It's so. a good, good. And then call. they could do a spinoff into Harry's Law, that lawyer show that she was on for a couple of years oh, or whatever. Oh God, <laughs> I had no idea what that is. Okay. And now the new show on Netflix where she's like a weed dealer or something. Oh, oh yeah. Weed store. Damn. I don't know. Go Kathy Bates. She's cool. I like Kathy Bates. My role for that, I think I just went sort of based on look, also based on demeanor. I went with Stephen Root, aka Milton from Office Space. 
Okay. Okay. AKA one of the bad guys in No Country for Old Men. I just think that he could sort of play that affected Southerner or whatever he's supposed to be in this movie. I don't know what he's supposed to be in this movie. Snake oil salesman. Uh, yeah. Kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I originally had Danny McBride there, then I'm like, he's it's just it's the, it's the wrong vibe. <laughs> oh my that. god, Danny McBride right. being the criminal though would have been dope too. Like I can like he just pulls up on a jet ski like into the courtroom <laughs> and just like fucking goes. You guys have obviously both seen. Eastbound and Down, right? Uh, yeah, I have not. Oh no! God I, damn yeah, it, no. Joey! Next year, next year, really next like year, it. next year. I know. I I love Eastbound and Down. My entire fantasy baseball league is yelling at me to watch the show. It's okay. I am almost done with Vice Principals. I have one episode left. The finale aired. I did not see that yet. I it's over that. too, right? It's over. Nine and nine. That's done. Yeah, I need to. I need to watch the most recent season of it. Um, I totally didn't even realize it was on until I was watching last week tonight, like last week, and was like, it was like finale of Vice Principals. It's like, oh shit! But yeah, there I love go. Danny McBride. I think he's really fun in his like starring shows so I sure I'm sure he could do it but I also just didn't want to put him in this movie I don't know although I also you know cast other people that I really like in other things so I don't know why I spared him from this but I did <laughs> so who knows all right Joe the judge the Austin Pendleton role his name is judge Paul Z Graff who did you cast in the judge role? I need to look up which one I'm actually talking about. Hold is on. Paul Z. Graff supposed to be like a play on polygraph or something like that? Oh, like, God, I guess so. Lying? That is weak. <laughs> My choice for the judge is obviously Teller from Penn and Teller, and he's just oh. silent the whole time. <laughs> That is inspired. That's a wonderful pick. I think that they kind of look similar. They have, like, the same, like, eh. And, like, can you imagine the movie <laughs> of Penn and Teller? Like, he was just a judge but didn't talk the whole time. And just, like, points oh. and, like, slams the gavel. Like, that would be pretty awesome, right? I love it. I'll allow it. <laughs> okay. Yeah, <laughs> well, that was... yourself, counselor. <laughs> yeah, just, like, knock, knock, and point. <laughs> okay. Oh, and then that w- we could do Penn Jillette as, like, the bailiff that's not in this movie. Like, he would be the one who holds down the court. He's the one who, like, keeps the court yes. in order. Yeah, yes. Wait, was that the bailiff who comes out at one point and says to, like, interrupts that he's like, I can't believe you pulled that trick. Like, no one buys that crap. And then, like, some guy in a security outfit comes by and, like, hey, good <laughs> job in there. Yep. I guess that was the bailiff. That would I be guess Penn's so. line. Mike, who'd you cast as Judge Polygraph? Okay. Um, I kind of went a little based on like type as well. It's sort of, I feel like he's a modern sort of version of this guy. And I, I went with David Cross. Oh, oh that's a good one. Judge David that's, Cross up there. Yeah, he would be good too. I like it. Although I feel like in that world, I I mean, I don't want to jump ahead. I hope that you also cast Bob Odenkirk as a lawyer, like a, a stumbling, bumbling <laughs> He's lawyer. the bailiff. Oh, he can uh, be the bailiff. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I like that. I went with someone I just want to see as a judge. He doesn't act in a lot of things. I'm also pulling a Mike Manzi that you did with John Favreau. This guy would also direct the movie, which I'm jumping oh. a little bit ahead for. I want to see Judge David Lynch. Just a oh. real weird, surreal, creepy courtroom and just a completely different vibe. <laughs> and that's why after I had the idea for that, that's where Laura Dern came from. And then in uh. my brain, at the one point in this movie when Austin Pendleton's getting like mad at her, I want to have David Lynch just yell like, Peanut! And like just get real mad at her like that, <laughs> but like out of character. That's what I want to see. I just want to see David Lynch uh. with his crazy hair, Maybe I was inspired by Austin Pendleton's silver hair. I don't know. In that judge cloak and just holding order in a real weird courtroom. I am a huge fan of Lynch 
both as a director, but also very much so as an actor. I love his shtick on Twin Peaks, and I yes. love his voice. So I would love to see him be a judge. <laughs> There's an impression. He was also great on that three-episode arc of the FX show that we can no longer talk about. Oh, what was he, it? Louis. He was on Louis. He was on a three-episode oh, arc okay. of Louis. But yeah, so that was. Uh, he's he's just he was like he doesn't do a lot, but when he does something, he, it's great. And I think you know I don't think he would ever direct a movie like this. But like, well, I mean, you never know. He did that tractor movie, right, for Disney, a straight which was story. Yeah, yeah, rated G. And I mean, even the Elephant Man is very straightforward PG for as weird as the Elephant Man as a person was to look at. Like, that's a very, you know, it's not a surreal film in the way his other movies are. So I would love to see him try and, you know, restrain himself. Alright, the Charlize Theron role, Billy Tyler, the waitress, the manic pixie dream girl. (laughs) Joe, who did you cast in this role? One of my favorite manic pixie dream girls ever. Zoe Deschanel? (laughs) No, I No. Zoe Kazan? Aubrey Plaza. Oh, I thought of her for a minute. Yeah, like, I think she would be good as, like, kind of, like, she fits this part. She's a double uh, Zeph alum, too, right? Yes. She's in two Mm -hmm. Zeph films. She's a double Zeph alum, she is. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Like, you know, the car... The like, uh, the weird thigh tattoo, you know, studying astronomy, being, kind, being a waitress at the same time, yeah, yep. shotgunning, like, yeah, I could just imagine her in this role. Absolutely, Mike. Nice. I went a little weirder, I guess. She hasn't really acted a lot, but she's definitely a personality, and I could just see her as someone in this role. I guess uh, I don't know. I, and I kind of—it's funny. I kind of based my whole cast around casting her just I guess maybe for her age and stuff but uh, I went with Miley Cyrus huh <laughs> I mean she's not your typical manic pixie dream girl but I just for oh, some reason for sure. I could see her out there in the middle of nowhere being a bartender and maybe even picking up the guitar every once in a while to sing a song in the corner you know for extra cash or stuff but yeah I don't know <laughs> Something no I like it her. it actually yeah. almost fits too well for me like she doesn't even seem out of place like it just like works yeah, it's like it's dead on. Like I could definitely see her being like kind of country and like shooting a gun and stuff. So yeah, you know, someone that I almost cast in this role that relates in my brain, at least in that way, that I almost cast did not is Riley Keough, who I you know mm, yeah ha- has my heart eternally, and I will probably cast in ten movies before this is all said and done. But <laughs> instead of going with her, I went with another actress that we almost wound up doing a podcast about. I went with Rooney Mara. I think Rooney Mara could be that kind Who's of that? weird quirky she's the girl with the dragon tattoo mm-hmm. i think that's her most famous role she's um, also in okay. carol which i don't she's think in carol saw. recently no her she's with in her Kate blanchett she is in her yeah she's she, in her she's right? also yeah she's the ex-wife a ghost story i didn't watch that yet i'm it's on my to-do list well she's, she's the, the she's the network. person in that movie that's not casey affleck okay and then the friday no nightmare on elm street the sort of Reboot. the most recent one that yeah. they did Okay. She's just she's a fantastic actress. I think that yeah. she's got that like kind of cute quirky could do that. Like she's not I don't think she does a lot of quirky things, but I can see her doing nah. a quirky thing. Yeah, I can see it. All right, so let's cast next the who we thought was the star of the movie but turned out not to be, the Jeff Daniels role, the Charles Tuttle role, the main lawyer who becomes uh Charlize's love interest. Joe, who did you cast in Jeff Daniels' role? Obvious choice, Jim Carrey. Yeah, okay. <laughs> is that obvious? It, it is to me. Like I, I, I see how his brain works. I think that, you know, <laughs> it makes sense to me. The connection was first of all, he's liar, liar. Second yep. of all, Dumb and Dumber together. Yep. It's obvious, Jim Carrey. That's yep. who you yep. would have to pick. 
I see it. <laughs> Mike? All right. JT, Justin Timberlake. Oh. I love him as an actor. I like his I music. Too, uh, but he's too he's too pretty. He's too pretty well, for this role. Well, maybe, but kind of, perhaps, you're right, but I don't know. I just feel like he could do this. Like, he's got that weird straight man ability to do where, like, everything could go wrong for him, and you'd kind of still be on his side, and, like, the empathy card, I guess, but, yeah, I don't know. I just want to see him do this for some reason. No, that's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't have to justify yeah, yeah, yeah. it to me. I was just saying, no, like... No. And in this movie, I hope, Mike, that he uh, sings the trial and error theme song over the closing credits, Will Smith style. <laughs> yes. Well, he and Miley duet at some point. Oh, so yeah. that's what I'm saying when I was thinking about she kind of like started me I like the recast. It. I went with Chris Gear, who is the star of You're the Worst, who I don't know that he's been in anything else, but he's sort of got that same kind of affectation like everything just everything bad just happens to him. He's sort of on his side even though he's kind of an asshole. It's just that like, you know, I can't believe that this is happening to me sort of demeanor, at least in You're the Worst. Ultimately, I don't think it's, I don't, I really, it's it's remarkable to me. I don't think that's an important role in this movie at all, which is crazy <laughs> nope. considering I thought he was the star of this movie, but at the end of the day, it doesn't matter who plays that role, I don't think. No, it's pretty interchangeable. Which is unfortunate. So the best you could do is just <laughs> cast someone who feels like they could bring something to it, you know? It just doesn't feel like Jeff Daniels saw any of himself here to no, bring. No, he, che- he kind of checked out on this one, I feel That's like. it. Yeah, he totally checked out when he realized he wasn't the star. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Like Kramer was was <laughs> was upstage front him. build, yeah. So speaking of Kramer, Joe, in that Kramer role, the surprise lead of this movie, who'd you pick? Obvious choice, Joe Pesci. <laughs> I almost cast Joe Pesci in the rip torn part to be, you know, like <laughs> a callback to my cousin Vinny. I would like to see him as the as the judge. Yeah, I didn't even know that he had made my cousin Vinny, but like the movie was so similar, I was like, why don't we just put Joe Pesci in this and make this a real fucking movie? Yep. <laughs> Mike and I have done that before, uh, you know, on Two Days in the Valley, which is basically a Quentin Tarantino, Shane Black knockoff. I took Russell Crowe and Gosling, the duo from The Nice Guys, which we're going to cover soon on Boyfriend Material. And I was like, they're basically these characters anyway. Let's just put them in this movie. And so I totally get that. I feel like that's going to be a common thing that is totally understandable and makes sense to me of what you would do in terms of, you know, casting people based on whatever. Yeah, are we going to play this game? I kind of like it. Yeah, (laughs) if you want. It's a lot of work, but we can play. can figure it out. I don't want like all the like bullshit rules that you guys are doing. I just want to do like who I imagine do <laughs> does who. Okay. Like there doesn't need to be like the no weekly repeats shit and stuff like that. And I think it'd be fun. Yeah, we're gonna get to a point where we're gonna have to start casting throughout the ages. I feel like you know people from yep. the 40s or be up. For well, that. I tried to cast Marilyn Monroe and you yelled at me. So we got. I'm sorry for that. <laughs> In retrospect, I overreacted. A little bit, but it's, it's totally okay. <laughs> Mike, who did you cast as the Kramer role? The only person I could think of that came to mind, Pam himself, Jason oh. Mantoukas. Oh. I would love Pam to see that. B- yes. I want to see Pam just play a lawyer in anything, but this will be Halfway great. through the movie, I just made my brain convinced it that I was watching as much as possible Jason Mantuka's doing this movie. And is that why you liked it more the second time through? Probably. I only made it up to the tattoo part the second time through. So So you only saw half of the movie. One and a half times. Oh, boy. I want Jason Manzoukas to play him, but I want him to have the, like, deliriousness of the Dumb and Dumber guy. Jeff Daniels is, like, his lines where he's, like, defense! It, like, what, what he's, like, yell, what does he say? Like, the defense rests or something like that. No, asked I just and wanna, answered. Yeah, asked and answered. And, like, I just want to see Jason Manzoukas yelling these lines at the judge because I think it'd be really funny. I just want to see him do, like, I'm not going to ask him that. That's a terrible question. Why would I ever ask him something like that? Like, that's... 
just the kind of... I want his banter in this thing. Yeah, for sure. I cast someone based on the first scene alone when I thought he was going to be basically a side character in this movie, <laughs> and then it became a lead, and I think this actor could absolutely handle that. Went with someone near and dear to our hearts, Mike, and went with Shia LaBeouf. Nice! Ooh. Wow. I think Shia could do this. I think Shia just the silliness, but also like the, you know, concerted effort to not be silly, like in front of the fiance and the boss and everything and trying to like be upstanding and whatever. Like, I just want to see him in that kind of thing. I'm really anxious for Borg McEnroe. I don't know when we're going to get a chance to see that. I really just want more Shia in my life. And I think he could do this. Well, I mean, the best parts for my money of Transformers, like when you could hear our discussions on all of his movies, is his stuff with the parents when it's no robots anywhere. It's just kind of like this comedy about a kid that and his parents that don't give him enough space and even in stuff like Eagle Eye I just love when he's like trying to play catch up and the world's on his shoulders and stuff yeah Yeah. I think he could be a good good choice thank you thank you so for director I already said that David Lynch is going to be the judge and directing my movie but Joe who would you if you had to remake this movie your movie starring Joe Pesci wait okay (laughs) well wait wait first of all first of all first of all first of all you left out a character that needed to be recast and could only have been played by one man. Who did we leave out? You left out young fake psychiatrist. Psychologist. Oh, okay. You wanna, okay, I have um, yeah, Max Casella, right? Yes. And obviously, that needs to be Zeph. <laughs> I guess. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yes, because he's young, and he could be beautiful, but he wouldn't have been taken seriously. On that note, the only director of this movie should be Maximum Joseph. A thousand percent. Okay. Maximum Joseph of Catfish and We Are Your Friends. Yeah, he needs <laughs> he needs to be the director of this movie. I want to see the Maximum Joseph, like, <laughs> it only takes one line in court, you know, like, one objection, one, th- <laughs> just, like, the, the cut over, what are they, like, the fucking montages? I want to see, like, montages during this movie. If you've ever wondered what the perfect BPM is for when telling, you know, <laughs> when you're a closing statement, here we go. <laughs> yeah, as you start to lie, your heart rate accelerates, you know, like, it's like, boom, 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 boom. It'd be awesome if, like, the stenographer was behind a DJ booth. <laughs> and, like, <laughs> yeah. You could really get, like, a disco light falling from the ceiling. Yeah, so we have Joe Pesci, Veronica Vaughn, George Bluth, <laughs> Teller, <laughs> Teller from Teller. Penn and Teller, not saying anything. Jim Carrey, Aubrey Plaza, and Zeph is the Young Doctor, directed by Maximum Joseph. It's that's, wonderful. That's my movie. Mike, who are you going to recast first in the Dr. Brown role, the Max oh, Casella role? Jeez. Going to put you on the spot. Uh, I can go first if you want me. I thought of one if you want to think no, about it. I a know bit. the guy. I just don't know his name, but I'm going to go back to my Zeph well as well and his brother from. The uh, We Need Wedding Dates movie. Oh, uh, Adam Devine. Yeah, I want that that kid. I thought of that kid while watching this. So yeah, he was. Get him in <laughs> if you had Pam and him in the same movie, <laughs> that would have been really great. There you go. Yeah. Cross examining him. Yeah, too. I know. Like, I know. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Love it. Awesome. Mike, who's your director? Who is he? Was casting this or who is directing this assembled cast of all stars? So someone who I like his comedies a lot, but he also makes. Uh, or has made a good serious film uh, I think just one but he's got good sensibilities and I really think that he would nail Big Sugar in the middle of this while everything else is going on I'm going with Adam McKay okay who's that Anchorman Step Brothers and the Big Short yep the other guys. Okay. So, the okay. Big Sugar Short. The Big Sugar Short, yeah. So, yeah, I want him on this project. I think he'd have a nice, 
you know, he's got great comic sensibilities. And like I said, I think like maybe he'd be able to turn this into an actual indictment of the court system on some level. Absolutely. And for the farce that it actually is. So I guess the only thing that we have left is my cast of Max Casella, Dr. Brown. I'm going to go with Kyle Mooney, Brigsby Bear himself. Uh, I think he could do that. It's a small role, but I, you know, I just, we just rewatched Brigsby Bear for the film club that Joe and I run and we both love it. I do love that movie. I got to bring this up while I have the only chance I might have with you guys. Have you seen the sports show with Norm MacDonald yes. that ran in 2011? All right, because that's no. where he kind of was first from, Is he I think. On he, that? Did, he did the video shorts as wow. Norm's nephew, and uh, they're amazing. amazing. He goes to like UFC, and he's like, who's, who's the old time slammer? And the guys are like, what? He's like, who's who's slamming who's slamming it tonight and, and really doing it? And he's like, what? And it's just super awkward. They're the most amazing segments I've ever seen. Well, so that's kind of nice. like how before Nathan for you, John Benjamin has a van was on County Central, oh, and yeah. Nathan Fielder was his like video operator, like a character on the show playing a video operator. And then he sort of spun off to become to to create the wonderful, wonderful Nathan for you. <laughs> with this year having two of the best episodes of any show I've seen recently, the anecdote is so good. Good. And then the two-hour finale, Finding Francis, to steal a gesture from now and again from Chris Mattiello, from our friend and future guest on this program. I'm kissing my fingers like an Italian chef. Mwah. Like Finding Francis is just two hours of cinema, just absolutely wonderful. So if you haven't seen Finding Francis yet, this episode comes out on December 29th. You have two days, three days maybe, <laughs> to see this before the end of the year. See it; it might be the best thing you see all year. Finding Francis mm. is wonderful. Is it a movie or is it an episode of a show? It's an episode of a show, but it's normally a half an hour show, and this is a two hour finale. So it's a cool. it's like a, it's an extended. It's cinematic enough that people have added it to Letterbox, and you can rate and review it on there. So oh damn. Well, holy it's shit. a thing. Okay. Yep. But I mean, that's all, you know, community generated. So yeah, it doesn't, yeah. that's that. Well, Joe, thank you so much for being on. Do you have anything else to say about trial and error? Did you remember that other thing that you wanted to talk about? Or are we No, I good? didn't. I just want to say this would have been the best $2 I ever spent at Walmart. <laughs> Wait, would you, think, well, okay, here's a question for you. Would you rather own this movie for $2 or four cans of Arnold Palmer light at 54 cents a pop? <laughs> oh. I, I'm gonna take the four cans of Arnold Palmer. There you go, Mike. There's a there's a thing that uh, we, did you, we found did you out watch, recently. Wait, first let's start let's start from the beginning. Have you ever seen Atlanta? Really? The Donald no, Glover TV I haven't show. Haven't had a chance yet. No. Okay, so let's t- give a little bit of tidbit. Go ahead. There is an episode on that called. Oh, what's it? What's it's an acronym? It's an acronym, but it's it's like essentially BET, right? There's an episode that's just like pretty much like Ban Black Black Area Network or something. Yeah, it's Black something network. And it's it's just like a spoof of BET, right? Black American Network. Throughout the episode, they cut to these like fake Donald Glover generated commercials. simulated BET commercials. Okay. Okay. And they're hilarious. And this episode, I think Atlanta's worth watching for this episode as much as Joey was like stoked on this two hour finale bullshit. This is like really great television just to get to that episode. Also, it's worth watching so that you can understand why on Zack Attack and why I'm guessing on our future podcast. Joe and I always yell, stop being weird. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. That's like a very early episode. But whenever we're like, stop being weird, it's, it's from, Atlanta. from Atlanta. One of the commercials, which is our favorite, yep. this guy walks into a convenience store. Mm-hmm. He goes to the counter. He puts it down. Dude scans it. An Arizona iced tea. Arizona iced tea. It's like, he's like 125 And he's like, the price on the can, though. And like the guy looks at it and he goes, the price is on the can, though. And then it's just like, Arizona iced tea. The price the on the price can, The price on the though. can, though. 
<laughs> that's the whole commercial. It's wonderful. So we have this joke that like every Arizona iced tea is ninety nine cents. Like the price right. is on the can, right? It says it on. They the They don't can. market it. It's just it's everywhere. It's at every gas station. It's at every <laughs> breakfast place. There's this amazing breakfast place near Joe's house. It has every flavor of Arizona iced tea you could want, and they're always ninety nine cents. The price is printed on the can. I go to Walmart and I look at the Arizona iced tea, and they're selling them for fifty four cents. And I send a picture to Joe and I say the price on the can though, and Joe loses his mind. Like it's like it's a loss leader for Walmart. Like they're not making money on this, but I don't understand. Like how much. There's an IC cost off. to actually make that you can sell it for 53 cents, and the price is on the can, though. Like, it's literally on the can. So, like, how and are I, they making any money I'm on this? I'm not lying when I say I'm drinking an Arnold Palmer Light right now. Also, when Joey goes to the Walmarts, they change the price on them. Like, some days it's, like, up three cents. Some, there's, like, there's oh, like yeah, market it was instability. Cents, now it's 54 cents, yes. <laughs> yeah. go down. Like, they're just changing it on Joe, though. They know it's him, and every time he comes in, they're just... Well, there was also a shortage of Arnold Palmer Light across <laughs> New Jersey for, like, two months. Like, I would go to all these different places, and I would text you, and be like, they have every other flavor. They're out of Arnold Palmer Light. I don't know what's going on. It was this ongoing thing for, like, four weeks, which just like I don't know what like it had every other flavor or there'd be like one we, can. We spent way too much time talking about Arizona iced tea. It's better than trial and error. No, I mean you. like in real life, Joey and I spend way too much oh, time yeah, talking about Arizona iced oh, tea well, too. Okay, but yeah, <laughs> that, that was a long here. place to get to this punchline. But yes, worth it. But I basically <laughs> drink two things: I drink water and I drink Arnold Palmer Light, and that's pretty much all I drink. And then you know, for too fast, it, too man. forever, I'm gonna be drinking Coronas. But Coronas. other than that, like it's just it's water and it's iced tea. Mike, do you like Ratchet Arizona iced tea? Do you buy them. I buy. Oh, I drink lots of Arizona. Yeah, I, it's lots fucking of green awesome. Green right? tea, lots of the Arnold Palmer, it, lots of the, the, the uh, watermelon. It's always ninety nine cents. Always no matter where you go. <laughs> Price on the can though. It is December 29th. At the end of these episodes, we're stealing this from Nico too. We did this last week. We're gonna plug another show on our network. I think the show to plug this episode, Mike, will be uh, Too Fast, Too Forever. Yes. Very nice. We'll never because be we have this. episode one out. 28 days ago, four weeks ago, the same day this podcast launched, that one launched, and three days from now, January 1st, 2018, the first episode of the new year, along with a now and again, will be Too Fast, Too Furious on Too Fast, Too Forever. (laughs) I love it. That's eight fasters. That's faster than anyone's ever been furious, as far as I'm concerned. Eight Fs. And so, Joe and I are going to be recording the first episode of Too Fast, Too Forever in the next week sometime, and so I'm super excited for that. But, if you want to announce, Mike, your show, it will have been announced five weeks ago on PSL of Hoffman. (laughs) If you heard it there. Maybe it would be on our Facebook page, depending on how quickly we can get art and stuff together. But Mm -hmm. you have a new show coming in March, I think? No later than March. Okay. Oh, that's that's right. You want you it thematically makes sense for March, but it might be sooner than March. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. So, but definitely, I think they're going to be on the third of every month. Okay. Uh, oh, I like my it. new show. Tasteful. Uh, it's called Third Times a Charm. Going to have some people on, and we're just going to look at part three of a film fa- franchise. So, just the third movie in the series, and talk about it. See how we got there. See where they go from there, and all kinds of fun stuff about part three. So. I'm excited for it. I'm really stoked on it. I, I want to be on some, and you told me that I was going to be, so thank you. Yeah, you've, you've been assigned a few. Cool. Uh, I mean, the response has been way positive. I'm really surprised. It's a and, great idea, uh, dude. Happy. 
So, yeah, I'm really excited going forward with this project. It's going to be a lot of fun. I am super excited for that. I'm going to be on the first episode. This is Mike stretching his baby bird wings and flying out the coop, leaving the coop, flying out on his own. <laughs> tweet, tweet, on the street. It might be the only show on our network, it's possible, that doesn't have an official co-host. Like, now and again, started oh. without a co-host, but then Nico sort of jumped on board. But Mike is doing this. This is his own little baby. But I will be on the first episode. I promise yeah. you, Joey, I will never leave you. you know, we're never going to be better than this. <laughs> we'll never be faster than this. We will never be more watch the throning than this. So thank you, Joe. <laughs> Join me and Joe every first of the month for Too Fast, Too Forever, every 11th of the month for Magic Mike's, every 21st of the month for Boyfriend Material, and then Zack Attack as prescribed. R.I.P. Squirrel. For R.I.P. All- squirrel. <laughs> <laughs> for all things, watch the Theron. You can go to cageclub.me, facebook.com slash cageclub, or at cageclubpod on Twitter. You can email us, watch at cageclub.me. Let us know which of our three recasts you'd most like to see, who you would recast, what you thought of this weird kind of garbage $2 Walmart bin movie. <laughs> anything. Just describe anything. We are getting to the point in real life that we're going to start releasing these soon, so maybe we'll actually have emails in just a couple episodes. It's a real pre-taped call-in show from Mr. Show. <laughs> we are going to be reading emails from several episodes ago. Hopefully email us, watch at cageclub.me. I'm Joey Lewandowski. And I'm Mike Manzi. And that was Joe, too, and we'll see you next time on Watch the Throne. Watch the Throne.